Good morning, church. I may ask if we can keep the Bible verses on the screen as we go through today down a little bit. It's very high. What a joy it is to be with you guys today. Thank you for having me once again. It is always a pleasure to come and bring God's word to one of our brother uh, Sicily churches. So thank you very much for having me. Happy New Year to all of you. And I hope that you are having a happy new year as we start 2022. What a year 2021 was, wasn't it? A year of lots of trials and struggles, tribulations, but a lot of memories, a lot of joyful things that came out of it as well, a lot of lessons to be learned. Today, we're going to be looking at a message from Paul to the Philippians, and we're going to be examining a message that he gives that is an encouragement to the church, but also an instruction for them. And as I was preparing this message, I was meditating upon what will I be preaching? Will I preach on something topical? Because it's hard when you come and visit a church, you can't preach verse by verse or a book because I'm not here enough. But I didn't want to preach topical as well because it's hard to preach in that certain way. So I preach what I've been reading through and Philippians is one of my favorite books. And I usually start my year by reading Philippians. It's usually one of those books that remind me of why I live for Christ by responding to his work, his righteousness, and my faith in him. So Paul has this instruction to the church, an encouragement, but yet an appeal. A reminder of a great joy and hope, but yet a challenge to look ahead. So as we read these verses, I pray that we'll all be open-minded and open-hearted. They will hear the message not as a word preached on a Sunday, not as a word written by Paul to the church, but as the word of God spoken to us, to you. And before we start, may I pray for us. Mighty God and everlasting Father, how gracious your love is that you gave your one and only Son for us that we may hear his name, believe in his life, his death, and his resurrection. And through your Holy Spirit, be made new in him. We praise you for your mercy, for which we are undeserving. But yet, because you love us, you give it freely. May you hide me behind your cross today, O Lord, that my sins and my imperfections may not hinder your truth, but your glory may be preached and praised. For I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. So what have you learned in the years that have passed? What have you learned during COVID? We've learned many of things, and if I can point a few out, let them be this. We have learned that health is very precious. That even the healthy now are getting sick. Our old are getting more ill, and we can't even visit them at certain times. So we've learned that not only is health precious, but family is valuable and precious indeed. That life, life is fleeting. It can be taken away at any given moment just as much as now our freedom is. That our freedom can be withheld from us. We never would have expected that going 2019. How many of us had plans to go and travel the world and see new things and try new things in 2019? And then the world changed. We realized and we learned 
that we're not in control. We can desire many things and we can want many things, but we cannot get these things if God does not lead us there. God can give and God can take away. Well, that's not a great encouraging start to a message, is it? Because it's 20 family, those we pass in the streets and those in the corridors of our schools and our workplaces. Happy New Year. What's your New Year's resolution? Well, I don't have one anymore because I can't make one. What am I striving for? I can't even make a plan for next week. Me and my wife were planning to go away to Queensland and we were meant to go away, not this week, but the week. Let's just pack our car and go now before anything else changes. Like, I'm not taking that risk anymore. We're leaving on Tuesday. So tomorrow we're going to pack everything and see you later. Deal with the consequences as we go. Because we just don't know what's going to happen. What's your New Year's resolution? Well, today I'm preaching a message from Paul to the Philippians with not a resolution. Because as we make New Year's resolutions, it's always wanting to make changes. We want to get something that's not as good and make it better. Like in 2019, I was actually quite fit, believe it or not. And I had a goal that as I was working out and training very hard, my goal in 2020 was to start swimming and run a marathon. And I was getting there. And then COVID kicked in, and then all the gains that I wanted all went to the wrong place, in fact. I, got, I trained my, my mouth too much and ate too much chips and dips. But we want to get something bad and make it better, or something good and make it great. But my new solution to you is something that has sustained and has remained the same. A message that we can bring to ourselves today and bring to our brothers and sisters, our neighbors and our friends and tell them, hey, I've got a solution for you. Paul starts this passage, okay, not from verse 12, but starts this chapter by talking about a righteousness through faith in Christ. And he's talking about all these people who are able to boast about their earthly and secular things. And Paul responds to that message and says, if anyone has anything to boast in, it is I. I was a child of Israel. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a tribe of Benjamin. I was trained by the greatest of Pharisees, went to the greatest of schools, came from a great family, had a great career, had it all. But yet, he considered all of those things worthless when it came to knowing the righteousness of Christ. He claimed to say that all those things, whatever he had gained, he counted them as a loss. Because what we know is that no matter what we have in this world, no matter who we are or what we do, there is no new year resolution that is going to be greater than knowing the greatest solution to our lives our lives today, our lives tomorrow, and our eternal life to come. There is a solution that is greater than anything we can succeed in in this life today. Paul encourages the Christian to persist to know Christ, to persist to know him, learn more of him, and grow in him, that they may grow in their godliness until the day of salvation is attained. The main message I want you to contemplate on while I preach today is this, or for yourself in the long term. 
Today, I'm going to be preaching to you about a short-term goal. A short-term goal that is going to impact your long-term plans. And that is, what can you do, what can you achieve to serve Christ, grow in today, while we're experiencing the gift of health and life today, what can you do? And in contrast, because we want to preach balance as a great children's talk was, not only what can you do, but what will you let go? What will you let go so you may grow closer to him and grow in godly character? Paul uses this amazing illustration. And we'll be using this illustration throughout. And this illustration is of a runner. A runner in a race, knowing where they're going. And the great thing about this runner is that this runner is striving. He's not just running to the end line for no reason. He's running there for a prize, a reward at the end. So let us consider and meditate this morning to see if Christ is truly our prize. Are we striving in this race of life for the reward of salvation which comes at the end? I have three main points that I want to preach today, if you're taking notes. They all start with M, because as preachers, we love to preach in easy ways. And three M's to remember. And I'll say them for you now, so you can go along with me. The three M's will be making every effort. Second will be moving forward. And thirdly will be maturing in his truth. Making every effort, moving forward, and maturing in his truth. So for our first point, making every effort. Looking at verses 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. As part of the Navigators, we have our mission statement as this. To know Christ and make him known. Being one who's passionate for one-to-one discipleship, it is my passion and our mission as the navigators to know Christ personally. So we take on a lot of these traits that our navigators teach us to read daily, meditate on his words, and memorize, and we try to pass that on to our disciples. So we want to make him known. We want to know Christ personally, and we want to make him known to our next generation, to disciple, to disciple onwards. And as I was meditating on Philippians 3, I realized that Paul has a similar mission, but he includes something a bit more decisively. For me, just in summary, his mission here in this chapter is to know Christ, become like Christ, then make him known. To know Christ, become like Christ, and then make him known. See, Paul says, I have not already attained this. I'm not already perfect but I press on to make it my own. See, Paul's saying this because he knew his perfection wasn't in this life to come, uh, in this life that he's living, but he was striving for it. Paul, like you and I, wrestled with sin himself. And we all love Paul. He's the greatest missionary to all us Gentiles, and we really look up to him. He's probably second to Christ, and Peter and Paul can argue about that in heaven. But... Paul was amazing, and we really do idolize him sometimes in the church. But Paul says, I'm not yet perfect, 
And we know he wrestles with sin because in Romans 7, he talks about his battle with sin. The sin that he lives with, the sin that he does, the sin that he, he flows through, uh, that he follows with, but he doesn't desire it. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. He speaks so greatly about how he's wrestling against it. The sin in which I have, but yet do not want. We have that struggle, don't we? We have that wrestle in life as well. We're very grateful to be in this place. For with as many people right now on a Sunday morning that is just at home playing cricket, doing something else. Not hearing this message of hope and salvation which is so valuable to them. Because sin is appealing. Sin is distracting and sin can be controlling to our flesh. Paul says, I've not already attained this perfection. Oh, am I already perfect? But I press on to make it my own. And it's not because Paul is looking to his own strength to become perfect. Paul's not looking to his own self to become godly. He says, because Christ, Christ Jesus has made me his own. There is a power that Christ does to those who call upon his name. Those who are running with their eyes on the prize towards his glory. Christ captivates their hearts. We call that the moment of regeneration when they first get touched by the Holy Spirit. That of Jesus. No, that's different. That's knowing of him. But the ones who know him personally, they are captivated. They are made his. In the Gospel of John, he says that they become the children of God. Jesus says those who are in the hands of the Father can never be let go. Those who believes. It's also in here in Philippians, if you turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, if you have your Bibles, Paul says, and I am sure of this, talking about his joyfulness in the Philippian church, he goes, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the end of at the day of Jesus Christ, talking about the day of glory, the day where we're seeing him face to face. Paul's desire to run this race wasn't reliant on his own strength. His making every effort wasn't on in the righteousness of Christ. See, Christ is the reason why we are here today. Christ is the reason why we are able to make every effort because by his grace we are saved and it is by his grace we're empowered to seek him. During 2021 and when the churches were closed off and you know, I mean, we were in the unfortunate circumstance where unvaccinated and vaccinated couldn't meet, um, my family and I were running this little home church service with a few of my unvaccinated friends. And we're going through First Peter. And that message there, if you're feeling like you're struggling with this year already, I would encourage you to read First Peter. Because in First Peter, it gives us this great illustration of why we are able to do things and why we are to seek to make every effort towards him. In fact, it's in First Peter, he talks about it's because of the resurrection of Christ 
that we do these things. Because the resurrection of Christ is the ultimate belief of every Christian today. To believe in the resurrection is to believe that we will also resurrect in him. If you do not believe in the if you do not believe in the resurrection of Christ, then what is our faith at all? In verse 4, 1 Peter chapter 1, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, is kept in heaven for you, who will be revealed in the last time. And throughout here, he's talking about a living hope that is surrounded by the message of Christ and his resurrection. So why do we make every effort to strive towards Christ? Is it so we can be good citizens? Is it so we can have good character? What is your reason? See, if it was any of those things that I've mentioned, let me remind you of a few examples. Paul was an amazing religious man, the best of them, in fact. History books tell us about the Apostle Paul and those he learned from. He names them all one by one, lists them, and says in verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So being religious and being a great Christian is not the reason why. They can't be. Because no matter how great of a Christian we can be, super Christian or Bible man, whatever that Bible character used to be, means nothing compared to Christ. How about if you are a good and wealthy person, but also held to great Christian values? Is that the reason why? We want to strive to be the example of that. In Matthew 19, verses 16 to 22, you can read. The young rich ruler says to Jesus, so good teacher, what can I do to get into heaven? And Jesus names several of the commandments of Moses and the young rich ruler says, well, I've done all those things, so surely I should be able to get in. And then Jesus says to him, well, now get rid of all your possessions and come follow me. If you know the story, how did that story end? The young man valued his possessions more than he uh, valued Christ and walked away upset. So success in this world and being a Christian is not the reason why we strive for Christ. It can't be. How about being a Christian leader or a great Christian parent or even someone successful in the economy today or in society rather? I have another example. The two men praying. You have one of the Pharisee looking up to the heavens and praying to God, thank you Lord for I have followed all your commandments and I'm nothing like the tax collector's or the beggars, or all these people. And there's another man, a poor man, a lowly man, has nothing at all, can't even look up to the heavens, but yet beats his chest and says, Father, forgive me for I'm a sinner. Jesus says, it is the lowly man who is more righteous in this situation. 
So to be successful and have great morals and ethics or Christian values or whatever it may be cannot be the reason why we strive for Christ. Being a church-going Christian or a society-succeeding citizen is nothing when it comes to desiring to grow in godliness. Brothers and sisters, it is a, a new year. Times have changed. Our society has changed. Our churches are changing. We are changing. But yet, the word of God still remains the exact same, preaching the exact same message. So why should we approach the word of God any differently today? There's this joke when it comes to New Year's resolutions, and it's usually, like I hear it so often, you, hear, you get the groups of people who are all for New Year's resolutions and the groups who are like anti-New Year's resolution. And they're like, oh, the antis are like, oh, I don't have one because no one ever sticks to their resolution anyway. You know, I mean, all the bantering and all that kind of stuff. It's like, all right, don't have any dreams. But why don't people stick to their resolutions? That's the big question. Why do we uh, stick to having goals but yet struggle to always get there? Why do we have our plans and our dreams and our desires, but when the challenge gets difficult, why do we pull back? Is it because we don't want to be challenged? We don't want to be forced to change or make every effort? See, today, as we look at Paul's message, at his verse, verse 12 and 13, he's saying, in verse 13, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. See, our goal as Christians, as we make every effort, is to grow in Christ, to know him more. And that doesn't mean by serving him more or doing anything more. I'm not a person who's going to preach to you, do more. But I am going to what he says. Read his word and respond to him. A goal in life should not be to be succeeding in this world, but to succeed in his glory. To know what God wants for us. It is always difficult. It comes with its challenges, but we do it not for ourselves and the stature that we have here in today's world, but we do it in our response to his righteousness. We do it for his glory. That is the reason why. If we sing back to the reason why I'm saved, because I wasn't saved for me, who am I? I was saved by him for his own glory and his own purpose, I am nothing but an instrument in this world to serve. The Puritans used to make this great illustration for those who felt like it was too challenging because we're all working, we're not all called into ministry, and that is true. But all our jobs of employment are just separate vocations to serve. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, and the Puritans made it very simple. Meditate on his word 20 minutes every morning. And throughout the day, keep your eyes open to what you meditated on. 
You may hear something, you may not. You may encounter something, you may not. But if you do this every day, you will be sensitive to his Holy Spirit and you will grow to know him and make him known. So be like the Puritans. Don't take it as a challenge that is too difficult to reach. It is a short-term goal. It is not about what you can do for him in the next month or the next year, but what can you do for him today? What can you do for yourself to grow in him today? The one who lives in Christ and lives for Christ is the one who provides evidence that they've been taken captive by Christ. You will see it in their lives. You'll see it in their speech. You'll see it in their desires. They desire nothing more but to live out the will of God. And it comes with its pullbacks. It comes with its challenges. And we all stray and fall. But praise be to glory, uh, praise be to Christ that he restores us. Our second point moving forward is in verse 13. Again, I read, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead. Now, who here are any athletes? Do we have any runners or athletes in this church? I'm sure we do. There's all soccer players here. Come on, soccer and cricket players. I know this stuff. All right. Say, I'll give cricket as an analogy. You're the batsman, and the bowler comes, and he runs down the pitch, and he, he throws one at you, and you give it a nice whack. Now, you see it going in the air, but you know it's not going to get a six, so you're going to have to run for it, yeah? You have to run to the other side of the wicket. Are you worried about the wicket that you just left behind? As you're running towards the other side of the pitch, are you worried about what's behind you? No. You're looking ahead and you're running forward. A runner in a race will hear the gun shoot, and as it goes bang, and he starts running, he's not worried about the starting point. He's not thinking about, oh, did I warm up enough? Did I stretch enough? No, he's already gone. He's forgotten about the gun. He's not thinking about the other people next to them. They're just running to the end of that race because they want that gold. They want that first prize. And if they're too busy worried about what's behind them, then they're going, to mistake, they're going to make a mistake moving forward. See, as Christians, that illustration is so valuable to us because we are the same. Too many times we're looking back. We're looking back at what we had before Christ. Now, many of you may grow up in church. I personally didn't. I've only been a Christian for seven years now. And... I can tell you there's many times where I have looked at my previous life and says, wow, like life was a little bit more easy back then. I had more freedom. I did what I want. No concerns, no worries, no problems. As a Christian, I've got to be more careful what I do, what I say, what I drink, what I eat. Nah, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, don't worry about what you eat and drink. But it becomes more challenging when you're more conscious to your life. You've experienced the grace of Christ. You've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And you've been given a new life, a new life in this earth. Why are you still looking back? What's back there? Christ has already done the work for us. It's about what am I doing today, this day, to take a step forward in knowing him, becoming like him, and making him known to others. 
That is where Paul is saying, I've not yet become perfect because we know perfection comes at the end. That's in glory. But he says, I make every effort to press on, to forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and I heard it mentioned previously in prayer. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The author of Hebrews says something very similar. Now, we don't know who the author is. Many people say it might be Paul. Some may say it may be Barnabas, but we don't know. But a similar illustration is given here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, in similar illustration, there's this race that we're running, and it's saying, let things go. Forget what lies behind. But here it's more specific. It says, lay aside every weight and every sin. Now, here we go back to the topic of sin again, which we don't like to preach in churches, but we need to. Because what is the sin that we're looking back at? What is holding us back from striving forward to Christ? There's always something. Paul struggled with sin. I struggle with sin. I'm sure you do. And if you don't, then please help me find the way to not struggle with it because I'm over it. But we all have it. And what Paul is encouraging us and what I'm appealing to you today, brothers and sisters, is to spend today meditating upon it. What is the sin that is behind us? What is a sin, as described here, that clings so closely in other translations, it says easily entangles us, which means it's something that we actually enjoy. It's something that is so close to our hearts because it easily captivates us. It clings so close to us. It's hard to let things that we love go. It's hard to let a sin go when we don't want to admit it is a sin. And it's even harder to let go of sin if we're not looking to Christ to free us from it. See, again, I'm going back to reminding you that it is not about our strength. Take that burden off your shoulders, brothers and sisters, because it's not about what you can do to let it go. It's about looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, it is by looking to Christ we are able to recognize that sin and let that sin go. Whatever weight it may be, whatever sin it may be, you and I, we can't let it go on ourselves. But if we look to Christ, we definitely can. It's the great promise of Philippians 1 verse 6 again. He who began a work in you will complete it. God loved you and saved you so he will continue to work through you and in you for his own glory. 
So that is how we move forward. Those who have experienced God's reconciling and regenerating grace will aspire to live for him until the day they are in his presence. We've learned why we make every effort. We've learned how to move forward and both of those answers were to look at Christ. And as we run this race of life, our goal is salvation. That end line is eternal life. And the reward is Christ himself. I know this world has a lot of things to enjoy. Trust me, I've experienced plenty of it. Like Paul, he had a great life. Many things to boast, many great things. But nothing in this world matters if it's not focused on Christ. Me standing here today preaching this message means nothing if I am not preaching to you Christ because it is all about him. What is the meaning of life? If any answer could be simple, it would be to know him, become like him, and make him known. It's hard to grasp. It's even harder to consider to forget the world and give me Jesus. It's hard, I know. I wrestle with it every day too. When I wake up in the morning, I just want to do me. It's hard to give my effort. But praise be to God for my church family, my brothers and sisters around me, my amazing wife who surround me, remind me and encourage me. Because this is how we move forward. But then how do we do it? I've told you what to do. I've told you why we do it. But now how do we do it? Because we need to know how to put this into action. And here we have in verse 14 to 17. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think in this way. And if anything... Uh, sorry, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you also. So first we need to, if we are already mature in God's word, we need to think this way. We need to start teaching this way, preaching this way, speaking about these in our homes, in our Bible studies, to our children and to our families, our friends, our siblings. Don't bring me only back to my heart of worship because my heart worships many things. Bring me back to you. Bring me back to what is true, what never changes. Because my emotions, my values, my personality changes. Two years ago, I had a whole head of hair. I don't know what happened there. God says he likes to count every hair on our head, but if God bored with mine, so he said, I'm taking them all off. I'm like, come on, man. I was doing all right for myself. Things change, but God's word remains the same. So if you're mature, think in this way. And if you think any way otherwise, Paul says here, don't worry about it. God will reveal it to you also. God's going to make it known to you. 
If you are truly his and captivated by Christ, made his own, God will reveal this to you by his Holy Spirit. But words don't just fly in the air and come to me in my dreams. I've got to make every effort to actually pick this book up and read it. 20 minutes a day. Start in the morning. Think about it throughout the day. You may come across a message, a thing to follow, or someone to share a word to. You've got to make every effort, and as you make every effort, God will do the absolute rest. He will reveal it all to you to help you, more, uh, help you become more like him. I'm not preaching for you to become morally perfect. This word is to help us become more mature in Christ. And the Americans have this little slogan. I was going through some stuff on social media and I came across this meme of this little sticker slogan um, in America and it says, Christians aren't perfect, only forgiven. And when we look at it surfacely, yeah, it kind of makes sense. We're not perfect, we're just forgiven. But as I thought about it, I was like, are you just trying to justify your life of sin by saying, because I'm forgiven by God's grace, I can do what I want? This whole message that Paul is teaching from verses 12 through to 17, all of Philippians, in fact, if you read it, is against that thought. It's not that we're just not perfect and forgiven. It's the fact that we were condemned because of our sinful. We were forgiven by his sacrifice and his love for his glory so that we may respond to him. And our Heidelberg Catechism breaks it down that way. Our sin and our misery, God's redeeming works, and then our response. That is how we are to follow as Christians the miracle. So we're not just Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. We're forgiven, so we're called to be made holy. First Peter 1 talks about it. Be holy, for I am holy. So how do we mature in his truth? How? We need to make every effort in moving forward to learn of our lives. Don't make your news resolution, I'm going to do this for Christ in this amount of time. In fact, James tells us don't make those plans because tomorrow is never promised. Tomorrow is but a, a passing wind. Worry about today, for today has enough worries of its own. So how can you learn more of Seek out and grow in Christ throughout your life, starting with today. Starting with today. When you leave this place, what will you do? Joshua 1.8 says, Meditate on his word day and night. Let this book of the law never depart from your lips, but meditate on it. And then you'll be prosperous and successful. Sorry, I've already quoted it, can't find it. Never let this book of the Lord depart from your lips, but meditate on it day and night, and then you'll be prosperous and successful. And this prosperity isn't prosperity of the world. This prosperous he's preaching was a prosperous in growing in him. So growing as a Christian means making Christ the goal of every day. Every single day. It's a new year. We can make changes. And we don't need another new year to make this commitment. 
we can start today. Hey, and if you're not feeling it today, that's fine. Start tomorrow, but don't leave it too long because you just don't know when the Lord will call you to his glory. Start as soon as you can because the days will pass. The seasons will change. But God's love and his word remains the same. We don't know when life will come. Today is that gift of life. But as we take this message, as Paul encourages us here to let us hold true to what we have attained and join him in imitating him and keep our eyes on those who walk according to the example they have set for us, follow it and remember it, remember this. Our hope is in Jesus Christ alone. Eternal life is for those who truly believe and confess his name. It's not enough to just know of Christ. You must know him. Salvation and repentance isn't just a forgiven thing. Repent and turns away from their sin. Then with Christ as their strength, as God as their source, they will strive forward. They will strive for their heavenly calling, looking up to Christ, who is the perfecter of their faith. Remember those four simple things. And as you consider your year to come, consider this day. What can you do for your family? What can you do for your friends to bring glory to Christ? But more importantly, what can you do for yourself that you may grow closer to him. Christ Jesus is our living hope. My appeal to those who don't know him, please accept him today. Please accept him today. Call upon his name and beg him to make himself known to you. For those who are saved, those who are in his hands, Unite with your brothers, your sisters in your church. Commit your life to knowing him, becoming like him, and making him known in your community. Let us come to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of mercy in complete confidence because of who you are, what you have done, and what you are continuing to do until the day of salvation. We pray, O oh Lord, that your mercy will be in this place, that people will know your grace and may be touched by your Holy Spirit. For those who are in your hands, O oh Lord, may they be comforted by your hands, comforted with your presence, knowing that this life may be fleeting and all things of this world may be taken away from us. But if we have you, we have it all. And I pray, O oh Father, that you will help lead us in this year towards you. Lead us to your glory. Help us grow in godliness, that we may know you, become like you, and make you known. For the sins that we hold and the sins that weigh us down, O oh Lord, may you make them known to us. The sins that we may see and others don't, but you see, help us repent. 
for the sins that others say, but I do not say, or we do not say, help us be known to them, that we may repent and turn away. Lord, may we do this, O Lord, that you may be glorified, so that when people see us, they see you. For may, you may return this year, and we just pray that we'll be there, ready when you do return. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen.